Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, especially St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Alcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. Yeah, Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcast. And don't forget, you can always get it and check us out at our website, wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is recorded and produced down in Lando Lakes, Florida by our executive producer, Brad Nerman. Hey there, Brad. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnson from St. Croix, but he's going to turn the tables and he's going to interview Dave, talk about Dave's tournament endeavors. Then uh, we'll have Don Morrison. He's with Autism Anglers. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal organization that does a lot for uh, People afflicted with a disorder that uh, most of America doesn't understand. Don Moore's Autism Anglers. And I'll be happy to be joined by Christine Fisher. She is fantastic. And she is the winner of this past week's kayak fishing tournament of champions. Yeah, that's the Super Bowl of kayak fishing. It's on Lake Eufaula in Alabama. Christine Fisher is going to tell us all about it. But first, hey there, Dave Kranz. Are you going to bring on Dan Johnston? There's Dan Johnston going to bring on Dave Kranz. Surprise us. Go for it. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. And this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And they always bring us Dan Johnston. How you doing, Dan? Doing great, Dave. Thanks for asking. Awesome. So uh, we're going to flip things over a little bit. Dan's going to become the uh, interviewer and I'm going to become the interviewee and we're going to talk about, you know, jumping to the next level uh, since I'm doing Major League Fishing. Uh, they're like doing the Opens, Bassmaster Opens, and kind of what it takes to do that. And I'm sure uh, Dan would like to do this himself, so I'm sure he's got some great questions. Beyond envious, Dave. I love what you're doing. I, I'm your biggest fan, and I know that someday we're going to be speaking congratulatory when you're standing up there on the big stage with a trophy you can hardly lift over your head. But thanks for letting me host today. And I think the listener, I know I want to know, but the listeners uh, out there would want to know also. I've just got a few questions for you, starting with that step that you made. I mean, both of us fished competitively our whole lives. We fished local things and, you know, some pretty big local things. And But that step against these guys that we've followed ever since, you know, for me, ever since I was a kid, and to be able to actually fish against them, you know, the Iconellis and some of the names that you've name dropped to me, what was that? First of all, explain to the folks briefly what circuit you're fishing, and then kind of go into uh, what that's meant to you from a broad perspective, then I want to get it dialed in a little bit. Excellent. Yeah, I... uh I didn't want to be 70 years old. I, I went into this next level fishing, uh, major league fishing Toyota, which used to be the Costa division, uh, to, I didn't want to be 70 saying I didn't try to do it because I've done local stuff and some pretty good size, uh, national professional angler association, you know, some of those bigger, um, regional tournaments, but I wanted to jump to the next level. So these opens were the next thing. And many of those pros, like you said, the Iconelli, the Brian Thrifts, the, you know, the Ron Nelsons, they drop down and fish these all the time. So, uh, you get to fish against some great competition. And I've just wanted to at least people have said, if, you know, you're going to be disappointed if you don't make it to the next level, which would be the tax warehouse division and I said no I'd be disappointed if I didn't try so that was the basis for doing this to try to get up there uh, try to not be overwhelmed by the fact that you're fishing against some of the best guys in in the world and and get to go to bucket list places that you and I would spend dollars on to go on a vacation Uh, the northern division consists of uh, this year and and next year again Potomac River Lake Champlain Thousand Islands up and out of Messina and and they're just great places to go to but uh, wanted to try to get uh, to the next level you know it's funny we work so hard to catch them and we prepare so hard to catch them i know the listeners would agree out there regardless really what we're fishing for but now that you're at a level to where you're fishing against the best out there what have you noticed 
in regard to preparation at this level does it take? Dave, you and I had a conversation a while back about how Brian Thrift prepares. And this is, you know, we talked about it offline. And, you know, you've now that you've been there and actually seen these guys at night, like rigging up or whatever, what that, that next the step that you took is a completely different level. And how would you explain how you've had to adapt? And really, more importantly, what have you seen that makes it different than just weekend fishing or even a regional tournament fishing? You have to definitely be 100% prepared. Everything that you can take out of the equation that can go wrong, equipment, line, retying, every, uh, having everything just perfect, absolutely perfect and ready to go. The boat organized, knowing what, what you're going to do. Um, you know, uh, you know. one of the things that uh, a good friend of mine, John Cruz, told me, he says, don't practice anything that you can't win on. Don't just don't just put those twelve-hour days out there and say, "Oh, the last two hours, I'm just going to go do this because I want to make sure I'm getting time out there." Practice what you think the winning pattern is going to be. If you if you found better fish drop shotting, find more areas to do that. If you found better uh, bites frogging, find better places to to do that. So hunt these down and look for that. And that that was really good advice, I believe. But uh, the level of competition is insane. We're all fishing against the bass, so you can't worry about who else is out there. Who figures it out that week the best is the guy that wins. Not the guy that lives there, not the guy that's fished there 50 times, the guy that figures out what they're doing on those three days. You know, it, when we watch, uh, I was watching it last night and, and certainly uh, last weekend, clock management. You, you, you watch a football game and it comes right down to the point where that coach that makes that decision on how to manage that clock right at the end of the game oftentimes is successful and in fishing, especially at that level. What I wanted you to speak to, because it really comes into play. First of all, you got forever you can run in some of these fisheries. I, I know one time you were telling me somebody ran hundred something miles right yep. to get to get to where they can fish so when it comes to managing the clock at that level does that has to play into your practice because you can't catch them seven hours apart running your boat so how do you how do you manage that part of it are you trying to find a few big ones it far apart or are you try obviously we're trying to find the big wolf pack condensed but does your thought process change when you're fishing at this level versus something that maybe wouldn't mean as much uh, it does you can find a, a place that maybe you can catch catch your five but if you know they're only two pounders and you know this tournament's going to take three and a half or better to win then you got to go for those so if, if that means they're farther away you, you got to go to them but obviously you try to find the best group of fish that you can find uh, within a reasonable amount of time. But, you know, that's why you practice. I generally practice four days. So I'm, I'm, I'm normally not doing anything twice. I normally go back, um, do my three days of practice in totally different areas. They might be the same pattern. They might be the same technique. They may not. But I'm trying to find what I can win on. And the last day, I may go back and take a half a day and check the prime places that I found in those other three and a half days of practice. But yeah, you definitely are. It's a different mindset and you do have to manage the clock and you do have to plan to get to an area and hope that they're biting and hope that the conditions are the same. But you know, weather plays into this too. You guys at the thousand islands ran, ran a hundred miles each direction, had to stop for gas twice in some cases because you know, some of the days it was rough and you know, I've run, um, 22, 27, 28, um, I think 31 or 37 was the farthest I went to start a milk run. And generally, I'll start at my farthest fish, which are normally, if they're my best fish, I want to start at the best fish first. If the best fish are closer, and I, but I have to go somewhere uh, farther after that, I, I will, if it means getting one or two big ones to get rid of, you know, if you're looking for three and a halves, fours, fives, you know, bigger, bigger bass to get rid of two and a halves or threes. So your boat specifically, I know the way I do it, but I, I want to hear how you do it, especially at this level. So when I practice, a lot of times I have everything but the kitchen sink. And we're talking about maybe 20 rods on the deck and 50 uh, little Plano cartridge boxes uh, 
underneath my storage because I want to be able to throw anything I can even think of, even if it's during a dream the night before I go. <laughs> so, so, you know, truncating that down to tournament day, how many rods are you going to have on your deck first morning you take off when you're actually fishing versus practice? And how much have you eliminated your tackle to increase your speed and boat performance? Or do you even go there? Oh, yeah. I definitely take out uh, uh, any unnecessary boxes that I don't need at that last day. And, and you know, ideally, we would have uh, uh, one rod, uh, one bait on six different rods if you figured out that you're only going to drop shot and have all of those. But, you know, many times in many of these places, uh, uh, Thousand Islands, Potomac, you might get them on a... a you know, a, a finesse presentation, topwater presentation. It could be a swim jig. It could be, you know, a, just a, any, a football jig or, or something you're pitching to wood. There's some, so many things that, you know, you might end up having 10 or 15 rods on the deck. And, and most of the time, I do not have a rod with one specific lure on it. If I have a rod on the deck on the first day it's because i've caught them on it and if i've if it's worth having one rod on it's worth having two if i can get it down to three four five baits there might be 10 or 12 rods on them but it might only be uh, there might be two rods uh for each technique so i have my pick but of all the guys you fished against if there was one one guy there that you showed up and maybe shook in your boots a little bit or kind of looked twice thinking, man, I wonder where he's going to start. Um, <laughs> who would that be at the level that you fished with so far that you've actually fished against and why? Boy, I don't think I can pick one guy because the, the, the techniques are different. If, like out at the Potomac, uh, Mike Iconelli was in that and I happened to be around him on quite a few practice days. And, and, um, He's he's good there. He's known to fish those eastern uh, tidal waters, and and it's kind of his you know zone. Uh, but I don't know. I, I've seen too many times uh, Brian Thrift do things that uh, in places he hasn't done well in, but that man seems to figure it out every time he goes. Um, local pros, you know, Mike uh, uh, Mitchell or uh, Mitch Mitchell and. Uh, um, uh, Ron Nelson, guys like that are in areas uh, where where they're you know they're locally known. I I, I think it's probably not one guy. Uh, all of them all of them are good. You know the uh, the Justin Adkins of the worlds. They're all they're all good. But uh, boy, you know I uh, unfortunately we're we're out of time and and I know you got more questions. But maybe we'll do this again sometime. And uh, and uh, I uh, I appreciate the questions. That'd be a lot of fun, Dave. I look forward to that. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for switching roles. That was Dan Johnson. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. We will be right back after these messages. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. 
Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Starley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. On this segment, I always like to say that everybody I've ever interviewed on it has a passion for the outdoors. Our next guest certainly has a passion for the outdoors. He is president and founder of Autism Anglers. Welcome to the program, Don Morris. Thank you for having me. No, oh, I'm, I'm glad you can do it. So uh, for those guests, or those listeners don't know, uh, give us a little background on Don Morris. Who, who is Don Morris to the outdoor industry? So I have actually been, well, I've been fishing since I was two years old, for one. Um, I've been in the fishing and hunting industry since 1994. Um, been in a lot of different, uh, a lot of different companies. Currently, I am residing in beautiful, rainy Orlando, Florida, with American Tackle Company, and I've been building custom fishing rods for well since 1995. So quite a while. That is quite a while. And then uh, we talked about this before we went on, but uh, I saw that you're known as the bearded Yoda of rod building. <laughs> the bearded Yoda of rod building. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I definitely mentored a lot of custom rod builders and have the, had the pleasure to work with a lot of big companies. And there really isn't many mistakes in custom rod building I haven't made. So a lot <laughs> of people learn from those. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how you came to found uh, Autism Anglers and uh, what it's about and uh, events that you do and and things like that. Yeah, so um, about six years ago now, uh, my son Landon, who is now nine, um, was diagnosed with autism. And as I was learning, because I I knew absolutely nothing about autism at that time, and as I was learning, I wanted to also tell other people what I was learning because it's it's so misunderstood that, um, I mean, you see, you know, you see a kid having a meltdown, and if you don't know anything about what's going on, you know, you think, well, like, control your child, you know, you need to discipline your child, et cetera, things like that. Um, when they when they're having a sensor sensory overload. So as I was learning, I was telling the people that I worked with and my friends, different colleagues that uh, you know this is what actually is happening in that situation. Um, so as I was learning, you know I wanted to share more and more. And since I have been in the fishing industry for so long, I know anglers. And, um, you know, I've got a great platform, you know, with my full-time job, you know, with building rods for so long, it was a great platform for me to jump off and get this idea started. So about four years ago, I told my wife, this is what I want to do. And she says, go for it, see what you can do. So a group of friends um, helped uh, get the funding together by buying a dozen custom rods that I built um, to pay for our lawyer fees, filing, everything like that. We immediately became a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, so we're a little three, we'll be four years old in March. And um, unfortunately, COVID, you know, knocked a year and a half off of our plans, but mm-hmm. uh, we're back and uh, better than ever. So really, it, it, uh, it just became a platform for me to uh, tell anglers, you know, what autism is really about. And anglers, Anglers love kids. I mean, you see that all the time, you know, take kids fishing, you know, you see the professional anglers even with their children in their boat, you know, being captains for kids tournaments. So I know that anglers love fishing and they want to see that go forward. Um, so that's that's kind of where everything started. Um, I did learn through working with some vets groups that fishing is a great form of therapy. So it works well for autistic anglers as well. Absolutely, yeah, and and you're right. The angler uh, angling community as a whole will will help most groups, and if they're involving kids, e- even uh, even better. Now, do you uh, um, do events events in Florida for this, or uh, you know, how can people find out more about this at, uh, website or uh, uh, Facebook page or all of the above? Yeah, so um, it's everything started out with uh, you know just wanting to spread the word. It, it slowly morphed into you know free fishing tackle for anglers um, on the spectrum. And when I said kids earlier, I mean we cover. It doesn't matter age. If, mm-hmm. if you're on the spectrum, you know we love you and we support everything you're doing. Um, so um, our first program was what we call Awesome um, Awesome Anglers, and we actually send out free fishing tackle all over North America, so the U.S. and Canada. Um, just a simple application on our website, and we send you out two to three pounds of fishing tackle at no charge. Um, so that's, that has 
you know, that took off really well before COVID hit. You know, our plans were to do some fishing events, um, different things like that. But of course, you know, limited contact, that's been pretty tough. Um, but we will be doing uh, some planned events, um, you know, some uh, different fishing derbies and things. We work with a college down here who has a big autism program. So we're able to um, get that rolling, hopefully in the spring of 2022. So we'll be doing some live events down here and spreading from there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's uh, it's been tough with everything going on, but uh, we're back to it. Um, anybody interested in the Awesome Anglers program, autismanglers.org is our website, and we're on all social media platforms, mostly Facebook and Instagram. Perfect. Yeah. And, and then uh, people can get involved that way or at least follow what you're doing. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people start following something and then they get an interest and then like, hey, you know what, maybe we can uh, uh, get some help of, of, you know, branching out. And it sounds like that's what you want to do and maybe have some other uh, people in other states uh, maybe possibly working or, or contributing to it. And uh, autismanglers.org, you said, was the best place as well as Instagram, uh, Facebook Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Um, but yeah, we, uh, you know, every, as everything gets rolling, we plan on, you know, more and more programs. Uh, one of the ones we are working on launching uh, at the beginning of next year is our awesome fishing program where we are getting um, charter captains and guides involved. Uh, so we'll be giving out uh, trips with approved captains and guides as well for um, an awesome angler and a parent. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And then and, and I think, uh, uh, 100%, I believe all of us, whether we uh, realize it or not, uh, it is therapeutic for everybody to be outdoors, to experience nature, to to see uh, things around you while you're while you're relaxing and fishing. And I, it it's one of the things that you can go and do, and you you can't forget about the uh, rest of the world for a little bit, which is. Uh, pretty overwhelming at the, at these times and, and uh, def- definitely good. Uh, not only individuals uh, can help with this or, or seek out uh, uh, corporations or companies that are interested in uh, helping can do so also, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, we've got some, we got some fantastic sponsors. I mean, you know, I mentioned that work for American Tackle. They're a great sponsor. You know, Feel Free Kayaks, uh, Six Skill Fishing, and the list goes on and on and on. we got some great corporate sponsors. Um, they make, you know, fantastic donations. They really help out, um, you know, if uh, with monetary donations and also with product that we can raffle. Uh, one of the things that we have our local supporters and, um, you know, anglers from all over the U.S. and Canada will send us uh, tackle. Uh, and we need to distribute that out. And to send three pounds of tackle from here to anywhere pretty much in the United States is about $10 in postage. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, we're always looking for monetary donations. Um, and we got a garage full of tackle that uh, tackle stores have donated. And you know, individuals have gone through and cleaned out uh, their tackle boxes and gone, I don't use this stuff anymore. It's in good shape. They can use it. So, um, you know, if, if you're interested in sending us anything, just get a hold of us on, like I said, on our website or social media, and we can give you the address to send everything to. Excellent. Excellent. So the first opportunity you think that you'll have for an, uh, a live event will be this spring 2022? We're yep, 2022. We'll be doing a, a fishing derby, like I said, with uh, University of Central Florida down here and their card program. So we will be getting uh, some kids together and some kids and adults together and uh, beating the banks and uh, see if we can get some smiles rolling. Okay, and that one, that event will be a bank fishing event, not out of boats. Correct. It will be the first one. Will be a bank fishing event. Uh, I am working with some um, also a local. Um, offshore near shore reef fishing ex- exploration um so we can fill up a boat that way as well so yeah and, and fishing is something that uh can be done at so many different levels you don't need an expensive bass boat to be out of it or, or something uh, a boat that can go out on the ocean you can it can be as simple as a cane pole and a float and a and a minnow or or a wax worm or something and, and it's still as fun for people to catch small ones as as big ones and it's it's not i think so many people uh, it's the event not the not the success it's fun to catch fish and uh but being out there and being around people and 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 i think the most important part is the education of so they can go do it again uh the parents can take their their kids or young adults again 
Absolutely. One of the biggest things we, you know, we harp on is safety. So we talk to the parents. I get, you know, calls and emails all the time. You know, I want to take my son or daughter out fishing. You know, what can I do to make it more enjoyable and uh, safer? You know, so we talk about things like, you know, pinching the barbs off the hooks because you don't want to get one of those in the face. Uh, You know, we talk about, you know, keeping back from the water, uh, different things like that. So we definitely preach a lot of safety and it's more enjoyable when everybody is safe. Absolutely. And down there in Florida, you got to watch out for those gators. We do. I've had uh, some run-ins with them myself. (laughs) We don't get those here in northern Illinois where we're at. But, yeah, you definitely definitely have to pay attention to that. Okay, so one more time. AutismAnglers.org is uh, the best place for them to get information, to find out more about your organization, to uh, possibly donate. And, uh, you know, any any other closing comments uh, out of you, Don? Uh, no, this has been fantastic. Yeah, autismanglers.org. You can sign up for our newsletter there. At the bottom of every page, there is a donation link through PayPal, which is fantastic. Um, if you buy anything on Amazon, you smile Amazon. I just got a almost a $100 check from them the other day. So they actually donate, um, I think it's a half a percent of all your sales when you use the smile.amazon to your favorite charity. Smile.amazon, great. And they and a lot of people do that, and that will probably work out uh, well. Well, we're going to pay attention to what's going on and how your event goes off. And if you have any updates in the future, you know, feel free to contact us, and uh, we'll have you back on again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Excellent. That was Don Morris, president and founder of Autism Anglers. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. And we will be right back after these messages. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. We Fish ASA is back. I am Steve Sarley. My partner Dave Kranz is not here. He's remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And you know, if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. Got one of my favorites on today. I've had her on the show once before. She did a tremendous job, and uh, I'm happy to have her back. And the main reason for having her, besides uh, being able to pick her brain for some uh, amazing fishing tips, as always, and talking to somebody who's just an inspirational and dedicated angler, is to celebrate the big victory that she accomplished at the recent 2021 Hobie Bass Open Series Tournament of Champions, please welcome Christine Fisher. Hey, Christine, congratulations. Hey, hey, Steve. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. Man, it's been a great few days. Unbelievable. Yeah, you just won this thing a couple of days ago. We, we, we've, we're very timely in, in having you on. Uh, tell us, where was the event? Uh, it was Lake Eufaula um, uh, in Alabama, Georgia. 
And excellent. Uh, I, you know what? There are so many phenomenal lakes in that neck of the woods. It's it's absolutely amazing, and incredible to find out you had never fished this body of water before. That is correct. Um, I had seen a lot of the you know the MLF elite pros fish that lake, so. You know, I was very, the lake was on my radar. I was familiar with it. Um, you know, doing some research, I understood that there is an incredible offshore uh, bite to happen on Eufaula. But that, uh, other than that, that was kind of, that's, that's kind of what I knew going in. Unbelievable. I can't, uh, I can't imagine uh, uh, staking that big of a responsibility, that big of a challenge on a, on a lake that you had never seen before. When you got there, was it? similar to what you had envisioned in your mind? Um, you know, it was, except for it, there wasn't any, there wasn't really much submerged vegetation. And, and I, you know, I was hoping that there'd still be some grass around, but yeah, there wasn't. Uh, however, just driving, I do a lot of driving and looking at certain ramps and kind of looking at the area. And every square inch of that lake looks so fishy. <laughs> I love it. It looks fishy. I like that. That's uh, that's a great explanation. It really is. Yeah. Um, un unbelievable. Well, you, you you took this thing in uh, in grand fashion, and I know it's always exciting to to stake a big lead and then just keep rolling and uh, having the pressure off. But but you did it the the right way, the dramatic way. Uh, mm -hmm. You didn't start out uh, kicking butt but you crept up higher every day. Tell us about the tournament, the three days, how it progressed for you. Well, um, yeah, that, that's always kind of my goal. Um, to be totally transparent with you, I, I wasn't extremely confident going into this event. Um, I had heard, you know, there's always the doc talk of guys that are just really catching them good. And that happens at every tournament. I, I try really hard not to pay attention to that. Um, and I avoid all of the quote-unquote community holes or really popular areas or if I hear people are really catching them here I completely avoid that because I, I really try to look for that overlooked water especially for multi-day tournaments because I knew like the popular creeks like Kawiki and up around the witch's ditch were getting hammered and guys were catching them there but in my mind I'm like if there's a cold front coming in um it's three days and I, I want to make sure I find some water that I can really manage my fish and so my my strategy, you know, like a lot of my multi-day tournaments, I continue to build on my pattern each day, and I fish new water every day. I don't I don't hit the same stuff um, always. I, you know, I go and try to find a little limit spot, and then I try to expand on that. And that's basically what I did. I, you know, day one I started with 77, then got a little better with 80 and a half on day two, and had my biggest limit on day three. And got some really good bites, um, just kept building on my pattern and covering a ton of water. Stop for a second. When, when you say I got a 77, we're, we're, we're talking about uh, uh, measuring length, length yes. rather, than, yep. rather than weight. Uh, so you are releasing these fish immediately? Yeah, catch photo release is what we do. Do, do you think that's the future of tournament fishing? You know, it's definitely it definitely helps our resources, right? When we're when we're when we're getting these fish, especially during the spawn, um, when you catch them, take a photo of them, and release them quickly back to back to their waters. You know, fish mortality isn't really a huge issue in kayak tournaments, um, and I really like that we do it that way. I but you know, fish fish they they bring money and they bring crowds. You know, and I know that's a big part of a, a lot of the larger tours. It, it, it is true, and when you look at it, uh, uh, having that big weigh-in at the end with the crowd there cheering and the, the drama is, yep. is exciting. But you know what? It is. We're, we're so technologically advanced now. Uh, we can have cameras everywhere. We can watch every cast that you make if that's what they decide to broadcast. Everything is there. The, the, the catching of every fish is, is, is done, and... I think I'd rather see you bringing a fish into the boat, into the kayak, uh, than standing up holding that fish on the stage without seeing the backstory of it. I, I think that's a cool thing too. And you know I what? I think so too. Well, they, they can put together so much when you're at when you're at the weigh-in. Uh, they're so fast at putting together a package of video and photographs. It, it's like you're there 
uh, on the boat with you and, and watching you do the weigh-in normally. I, I think that this is a, a really a good way to go. I enjoy it. And talking about other other rules and other changes, you know, you're, you're doing the, the five fish limit. And, and unlike, say, mm -hmm. the, the Bassmaster Elite, where, where they're weighing five fish, uh, you're measuring the length of five fish. Um, what, what would you think about, have you ever fished the tournament that had uh, Major League Fishing style rules where every fish over a certain length counted? And it was, uh, uh, you know, a total of, you, you know, you could catch 50 fish and, and, and count them in a day. Have you ever yeah. fished that way? Or what do you think of that style of fishing? Um, I fished one or two tournaments, you know, back fishing grassroots back home in Nebraska. We had a few tournaments that were, that were styled that way um, with that adapted that format. And it's okay, but that, that's not really, even in my recreational fishing, I'm so much more focused on understanding and patterning the bigger fish. And I'm the type of angler, the way I'm wired, is I'm fishing for seven or eight bites, not a hundred. Um, I'm fishing for the seven or eight right bites. And I, I've always enjoyed, um, not that it's not a challenge to go out there and, you know, catch as many fish as you possibly can. But for me, the angler that's able to get the right bites, you know, in, in a large body of water over an extended period of time, that that's, that's, in my opinion, I think it's much more difficult and, and really showcases who your who your better angler is, especially with, with changing conditions and whatnot. You said Nebraska. Where, where, where's your home? What is your hometown? Weeping Water, Nebraska, town of 800. Weeping Water. Is that not the coolest name of all time? <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 pretty neat, huh? I've never fished. I've never been there. I've never fished there. But you know what? I, I have been to Weeping Water a million times because it seems like every time I go fishing, it ends up being Weeping Water because I don't do real well. So uh, yeah. it's obviously <laughs> obviously not the case. Not the case with you. There's no Weeping Water in Christine Fisher's career. You, you talked about <laughs> going out to water you didn't know before and and not fishing the same places. Normally, somebody would go out, they're pre-fishing, they locate fish, and they're going to go back and hit that. That'll be their A spot, and they're going to hit that mm -hmm. every day. Uh, may come back to that spot more than once in a day. Um, mm -hmm. Very, very different the way you did it, not going back and wanting to find fresh virgin water all the time. Uh, did, did you go back? Did you have any spots that struck you that you wanted to go back? Uh, especially if you found a spot that you looked like it was a fishy spot and it turned out to have no bites. Did you say, Hey, I'm going to, I believe in this spot. I'm coming back later. So I, I did have three small spots that I did hit every day. Um, one of them was just strictly it was my first thing in the morning. It was a limit spot. It was it was a deeper, uh, it was an area in the way back of one creek where a channel butted up against the bank. And for about 60 yards, um, it was an outside channel swing. And there just happened to be a lot of smaller fish there. But it was a good place to go, catch a limit real fast. And then um, I had two little, little uh, the mouths of two pockets where there was some bank grass that kind of formed a subtle point. Then that's an obvious bass fishing 101 area that's going to reload. And I had some bigger bites around there. So if I, if I happened to stay in that area, I would hit that leave, come back maybe an hour or two later and hit it again. Um, but that I only did that. I think one of the three days, um, because for me, rather than fishing a spot, I was running my pattern. I found a pattern that was working really well. Um, literally living or dying by less than three foot of water and anywhere I could find isolated clumps of this main lake bank grass. That's what I was looking for. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, that concept of a spot reloading is interesting to me. Uh, ba basically what you're saying is, uh, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it was uh, a spot the fish may move off of it, but they will come back is what we're saying, yeah, right? Yeah, fish, fish are constantly, well, yeah, fish are looking for ambush points always. And, and there are certain, you know, like there are there are certain places like channel swings, like, uh, you know, main lake points, like little points and with grass at the mouth of a pocket that fish are, if they're, if they're cruising down the main lake, they're going to stop at this place. You know, and we all know what to look for when we're looking for stuff like that. And yeah, it reloads, and I, and it did. It always does, and, and, um, and that's really important in a multi-day tournament to have areas that you know if you come back and hit it a few hours later, you have a very high percentage of getting bit. 
Excellent. Very, very good. And uh, and people people need to remember that because uh, so often you may hit a spot. And, you know, go, go back. You were talking in the beginning about people that are hitting the more high visibility spots or the community spots that are known to give up fish. Uh, they're known to give up fish for one reason. It's because they give up fish. And people will try that spot, not get anything, and they're done for the day. They move on. That's a spot that you should come back to. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Why Absolutely. Don't, it's all people, timing. People don't do that. And you know what? That, that shows that uh, there is so much more to fishing than, than just being able to uh, handle a rod and reel and, and being able to throw a bait the right way. It, it's a thinking person's game. Uh, I don't I don't know how much of uh, the game thinking is. What, what do you think? How much of this is physical and how much is mental? I'm going to be totally honest with you. Because, oh, because oh please, please be honest with me. <laughs> I think it's 50-50. I really do. And the mental game and decision-making, you can be the best. Your mechanics and your abilities can be the best out there. But if you have terrible decision-making and and your head game is, is, uh, you know, just not good, you're not going to win tournaments. You're just not. Most people that uh, uh, don't perform as well as you would expect them to uh, do that because they have uh, lost it in between their ears. Uh, oh, yeah. ra- rather, it's very much between your ears. Or rather than not uh, being able to set the hook right or not being able to cast to the right place, it's it's, yep. it's figuring it out. And, and a lot of people talk themselves out of winning. Or they think, I, they think themselves out of winning, you know? Yep, I 100% agree. And it's when, you know, on day three... I knew five fish was going to go, you know, be big for me. And I, I had four, and then I lost two big ones. And then and there, I could have started fishing really fast, started spinning out. Because it wasn't, I only had a couple hours left to go, lost two big fish, didn't have a limit. And, you know, I I was remarkably calm and collected all three days of this tournament. And I think that really attributed to my success in this one. That is great. Good time to take a break. We've got Christine Fisher. She is the Hobie Bass Open Series champion. She won the Tournament of Champions on Lake Eufaula. Just Eufaula. What? I'm sorry? Eufaula. You're you, right. Eufaula within, uh, within the last week, a huge tournament on a legendary body of water, won by somebody who is certainly becoming a legendary fisherman. Christine Fisher, We Fish ASA with Steve Sarley. We'll be right back. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet AFCO's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuable safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from AFCO. Learn more at aftco.com slash overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth, St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Surley. My partner, Dave Kranz, is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. 
You know, if you'd be interested in becoming an advertising partner with the We Fish ASA podcast, please contact us through our website, wefishasa.com. And don't forget to check us out on social media, Facebook, and the like. We're easy enough to follow. When you locate us, please like us, follow us, and share our posts. We appreciate it and thank everyone for their support. Well, you can, you can find us if you aren't busy getting all blocked and uh, filled up with stuff featuring Christine Fisher, who is uh, definitely ruling the uh, Internet and social media right now. The, the fishing world is just absolutely uh, excited about what she has done winning the 2021 Hobie Bass Open Series Tournament of Champions, the biggest kayak bass fishing event in the world. Christine, tell us about kayak fishing. What are you running as far as a boat? And can I say boat? Is that Does that work? You know, a lot of us refer to them as boats. Some people get kind of weird about that. I, I, I don't care. It, you know, I, I call it a boat sometimes. Sometimes I call it a kayak. Actually, with all the electronics and stuff we have on there, they might as well be a boat, you know, in the motors. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm running a, a Hobie Pro Angler 14 360. I've got Garmin uh, Live Scope 106SV um, and a GT56 transducer on my boat. Kayak, there we go. See, I did it again. Um, I run a Torquedo, which in this series we're not allowed to use motors for the tournament, but I, I do use a motor. That thing he make, plays a huge role in me covering water and eliminating water. Um, and, and that's my uh, that's my that's my gear. Excellent, excellent. All right, people don't realize this. Uh, people haven't seen this. They haven't watched it. They haven't done it. Uh, I say, my God, kayak fishing! I, I I know what those I know what those are. I see them at the I see them at the Walmart. They're one hundred ninety nine dollars. They're plastic, mm-hmm. and not, we're talking about something completely different. These are the, the kayaks that fishermen, professional fishermen, are using. Are the most sophisticated devices. It's it's amazing to see what kayaks have turned into. It absolutely is. You know, the the evolution of our sport is is nothing short of just uh, you know astounding. Um, because the truth of the matter is, you can go out and compete in a in a thousand dollar kayak. Um, there's a couple guys that do it, and some of them do very well. Um, so the accessibility, you know, it's a great segue for guys wanting to get into the more competitive side of it without, you know, dropping the major coin on a bass boat. But yeah, that a lot of us, you know, are running with all of our stuff completely rigged out. It, it can get up to twelve, fifteen thousand dollars. Wow, that, um, for these kayaks. That that is amazing. But you know, she started out by saying, "Yeah, there are people out there competing in, in less expensive kayaks." Everybody should think about that because I think that this is. Uh, uh, the future of fishing is is kayak fishing because it's something that everybody can get into. I was at a, uh, I, I sat in a seminar with uh, the legendary Ron Linder one time, and all he wanted to talk about was kayak fishing and said, you know, mm-hmm. I, I love fishing. I want to see these kids get into it. I love the high school and college fishing, but how do they afford the boats? I think this kayak fishing is the way to go. You know, uh, for the price of a bass boat, we can get a whole team outfitted, you know, and not have to cut anybody. Uh, it, it's it's exciting. You've got to be you've got to be excited that you are at the forefront of this revolution. Oh, I'm, I'm just humbled to be to be a part of it. You know, it, it takes a, a whole community and a lot of different efforts to, to make this thing and push it forward. And I'm very thankful to, to be where I am and to have a little bit of influence. Um but, you know, it's neat to see college now adapting college kayak fishing teams. Um, and the best thing for our sport is, is to help people understand, you know, how great a community is. And, and not only that, but for guys that are competitive, uh, the competition, you know, it, it's, it's easy to say, you know, gosh, you know, that'd be pretty easy to go out there and win a kayak tournament. You know, what do these guys know? But we've got guys that... Uh, you know, just almost qualified for the elites. So you've got a guy that's extremely successful in our tons of guys that left FLW and, and different left the basketball world to compete on our level. And I mean, the competition's absolutely stacked and the talent is, is incredible um, that we've got in this sport. So I, I, I would love to see more bass boat guys that are highly competitive. Give this a shot. I mean, it's addicting and it's great for our sport to have, have these guys come and check it out. Um, so we always encourage that and, we got 150 competitors from all over the country that fish a lot of our a big national events. You know, that's about the average we pull. And the money, the money's great. I'm actually getting ready to do a video 
on how much money kayak anglers make. And I'm going to, you know, go over the, the top. We've got a whole fantasy kayak fishing thing, and it, it kind of keeps track of all of our tournament winnings. We've got a guy that's almost at 100 grand. Uh, the next one up is like at 70. Um, I'm going to be over 50 now. And just these are just tournament winnings. You know, so it's. This is this is this is going to be different. I, I talk about this putting putting the money into perspective, and say, oh, elite angler made a hundred thousand dollars this weekend. Oh, wow, hundred thousand dollars for catching fish. But you know what? Uh, the the lowest Look baseball player is is making a hundred thousand dollars, and and maybe not even getting into a game. You know, it's a, a bench guy. It, it it it's a it's great money. It's a great living, but it's changed. And the guy that's making a hundred thousand dollars now. That's way more than they were making 20 years ago. And how do those guys that fished 20 years ago think about these purses today? It's like any other brand of athletics. And at some point, kayak fishing, the numbers you're talking about are going to be exponentially uh, grown by maybe 10. You're talking about winning uh, uh, $50,000. Someday there may be a $500,000 win. And, you know, it, it may be after your time. But you were there starting this, and you know they, they, I hope mm-hmm. that people look back and say, "Man, thank God for Christine Fisher getting this sport <laughs> where it was." You know, <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. Those are that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty big statement. But um, like I said, I'm just grateful to to be here right now and to kind of be here in the the midst of the growth and um, help showcase our sport and and what it is. And you know, it's it's an honor. Pedal drive, that's what I wanted you to talk about. You're not breaking your back uh, paddling around. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got a great innovation that uh, Hobie invented and makes kayak fishing so much easier than it ever was. Tell us about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Tell us how that works. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to explain without you know, someone physically seeing it, but if you're familiar with um, how a penguin moves, Hobie modeled their drive after that. So it's ergonomically... Um, it's very efficient and it's very comfortable. It's easy on your knees and your back. And yeah, just a, essentially it's a, you know, a motion with your feet that they go, your legs go back and forth and move the boat. And, um, you know, we can, sus- a lot of us can sustain going a little over four miles an hour just using our legs. Um, and that allows us to have hands-free fishing. So it, it's the best drive on the market. It's the best platform on the market to get into. And, uh, yeah, it, it you know definitely allows you to fish and move around and and cover. You know, I'll still cover even with just without my motor. I'll cover sometimes five, six, seven miles a day um, in my kayak. I, I wish we I wish we were video to to show people, but you did a great job of explaining that. And for anybody who's thinking that this foot pedal drive is like you go to a public park and you see people out renting paddle boats and. Their, their legs are cranking a million miles an hour and they go 100 yards and they're all gassed, you know, sweating and panting because it was so hard getting that thing going. Not like that at all with this Hobie drive mm-hmm. system. You're just flicking your feet a little bit and that thing, whew, it's, going, uh, it's going crazy. It's, uh, it's amazing how fast and how long it goes. You, you don't get tired doing it. It's, it's, it's a, I don't understand exactly how it works, but I know it works because I've done it before and I really love it. Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, so we, we, we've got that going. The other thing uh, I want to talk about is stability. Um, I, I've, I've said this before, and I think I told you, I, I, I can roll anything over at all. I, I, I'm a dangerous mm-hmm. person. I, I fished, <laughs> I fished in, the co- in, in a Hobie kayak, and I could sit down, stand up, move around, and I, I, I couldn't get the darn thing to flip over. It is so stable. It's like being in any boat. Uh, am I being fair saying that? You most certainly are. I mean, we've got guys that are, it's got a weight limit of 600 pounds, I believe, on the boat I'm on. And we've got some big guys and they stand up and fish with ease. They're incredibly stable, um, incredibly stable and handle big water really well. I mean, it was, the wind was ripping 20 miles an hour and you fall and I was out there you know, on the main lake, just kind of riding the waves and, you know, fishing as best I could. So they're, they're safe, they're stable. They make fishing, they make fishing a breeze. Is, is most of your fishing done sitting or standing? I stand when I can. I stand a lot. Um, if I'm fishing offshore, I'm typically, I'm typically sitting so I can hold my position a little better. Um, but if I'm fishing shallow, you know, if I'm frogging, um, I, I want, I'm, I'm trying to stand as much as I can. 
The amazing thing to me would be to learn how to properly set the hook when you're sitting. That's really difficult, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. Um, I come up and out of my seat. If anyone's seen my YouTube videos, there's times where if I, if I especially I'm fishing a, a football jig, you know, in 25 foot of water, I will come up and out of my seat um, to set that hook sometimes. You've got to have, unless you do that, you've got to have some tremendous body strength because setting the hook properly, you know, you really want to cross the eyes on that fish is to is to uh, put your legs in the right position and really have at it, whack that thing hard and it's tough to do that sitting unless you have tremendous upper body strength because you're not using your back and your legs. Mm-hmm. Don't you? Yeah, I, I would never, I don't consider myself to be, you know, um, incredibly strong, in the, especially in my upper body. You know, I'm tall and gangly, but I've always had good leverage and, and good, uh, what am I trying? I can load my boat, which is very heavy in the back of my truck, but I can't do a push-up. You know, so it's, it's, I have odd strength. Like I have the right strength for what I do, but I would not consider myself to be to be you know uh, remarkably strong. Lastly, Christine Fisher, kayak champion for 2021. I I, I hate asking this question, but I, I feel obligated to. I know I know where this is going. <laughs> I, well, now I'm trying to think of something uh, out in left field, so I can't be uh, accused of, of being of being typical or learning, but you, you know, I'm going to, are you tired of being referred to as the first woman's champion, woman, this woman, that let's get over that. You're, you're darn good fisherman. Doesn't make a difference, man, woman, or whatever. Uh, th does this bug you at all? Um, it, it, it used to, when I first kind of got on the scene and people were making a huge deal about that. And it, it, the thing that bothers me um, is that I know if a guy would have won this tournament, uh, they wouldn't get you know near as much publicity as I am, and that that that's kind of tough for me. It puts me in a position because I come from a very hardworking background where I don't like taking, um, I like earning you know what I what I'm getting, and I feel sometimes I struggle with that. But at the same time, I realize the magnitude of what what this means. It's so much bigger than me. Uh, I've had I've had thousands of people message me saying that they're three or five year old daughter saw me up there winning against all these guys and they, they, they want to start fishing now or um, a bunch. I've had so many women share this post and say, we, you know, this makes me want to be a better angler. It makes me want to get out there and do this. Um, so it's, I, I have to kind of take it for what it is. Um, and, and it, it is hard for me. I'm trying to find that good balance and um, navigate it as, as best I can. Uh, because I do internally struggle with that. I don't want to be referred to as a female angler. I never, never have wanted to be referred to as that. But at the same time, I understand the importance of of acknowledging that for the growth of our sport. Sometime we'll we'll end up not bringing that up. And heck, I made it uh, twenty five <laughs> minutes without bringing it up. I was pretty proud of myself. Well, I knew it was coming, Steve. Uh, I, I, I kind of fig I kind of figured, and and I had yeah. I had to do that. But you know what? You, you it is good for the sport. It's good for you. Uh, it's great for your sponsors. Your sponsors love you. I remember the the first time we had you on. It was because uh, I bumped into Chris Russell, who was uh, with Plano yeah. at the time. He, he's with Hook mm -hmm. now, but. Chris said, hey, how come you've never had Christine Fisher on? You know, she does a great <laughs> interview. And it, it never, why don't you have Christine Fisher on? God, she's a beautiful girl and she's a, a, a female, blah, blah. Had nothing to do. She said, how come you never had one of the best fishermen on around? I said, we'll, ha we'll have to do that right away. We did. I absolutely love talking to you. And uh, I love being able to congratulate you on winning the uh, Hobie Bass Open Series Championship. You, you did a wonderful job. Uh, you're a great, great example uh, for anybody who's interested in fishing to, to watch Christine Fisher because she's just great at what she does and is a wonderful representative for the sport. Christine, thanks for doing this. Hopefully you'll keep on winning and we will be able to talk to you again. You know, I always appreciate the conversation, Steve. Thank you so much for having me on. Excellent. Look forward to it again. You know what? Next time I'm coming up with a question that you're not going to be able to guess in advance. Hey, that's all. I start, hope you do take that challenge. <laughs> start, 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 start thinking about that now. We'll do that soon. Thanks, Christine Fisher. Have a yep, great thank day. Thank you, Steve. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guests, 
Dan Johnston from St. Croix, who interviewed our own Dave Kranz about tournament fishing. Don Morris, Autism Anglers. Autism Anglers, what a great organization. Great job, Don Morris. Keep up the good work. Christine Fisher joined us, winner of Kayak Fishing's Tournament of Champions on Lake Eufaula. Number one event in the world of kayak fishing, which is growing by leaps and bounds. Thanks to the efforts of people like Christine Fisher. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. They've got your bass covered. Yeah, Daiwa reels. They are the best. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our podcast each and every week. It's available everywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. While you're at the website, if you like what you hear, please let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or somebody we should have on this show, let us know that too. We answer all of our mail. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner's Dave Kranz. We'll see you all next week. Now, let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.